Welcome to The Rundown, your source for the latest news and updates from the Kansas Legislative Division of Post Audit, featuring LPA staff talking about recently released audit reports and discussing their main findings, key takeaways, and why it matters. I'm Brad Hoff. In July 2023, Legislative Post Audit released a performance audit reviewing specific IT security controls across state agencies and school districts. I'm with Alex Gard, Principal IT Auditor at Legislative Post Audit, who supervised the audit. Welcome to the rundown, Alex. Thanks, Brad. I've been looking forward to this all week. So before we begin discussing the audit's findings, give our listeners a rundown of the uh, Information Technology Executive Council, otherwise known as ITEC, their security standards that state agencies are required to follow, and why they're important. So as you mentioned, ITEC stands for the Information Technology Executive Council. So a little bit of history. In the late 1990s, uh, the state legislature thought it made sense to have general rules in place um, for IT. So they created uh, this group uh, made up of stakeholders from various uh, big agencies, small agencies, different branches. Um, so you got your judicial representatives and your legislative representatives. Uh, and then I think there were also some members even of the of the general public um, that had some input as well. So they created this this body called called the Executive Council and and they delegated authority to make rules uh, for IT uh, to this body. And so then essentially all state agencies have to follow these rules. Um, it's important to keep in mind that these rules weren't made up out of thin air or anything. Uh, they were based on industry standards and best practices, meaning that leaders in the industry thought they, they were good ideas, good, good things to put in place to prevent bad things from happening. Now, I think another important caveat uh, for this audit report, Alex, is even though the 15 state entities are named or are listed in the appendix, give our listeners the reason why we can't call out specific uh, state agencies or school districts and how well each of them um, performed on uh, your testing. One thing we wanted to be very sensitive to was um, anything we didn't want to expose or have exposed um, weaknesses at a specific uh, entity. Uh, knowing that it may take some t some amount of time to um, put put certain controls into place, so we didn't want to basically point out and say, you know, here's the weak spot, here's the weak spot, um, especially with these technical um, types of audits, because that could basically give uh, attackers a roadmap to here's the, here's the weak link, here is an agency or an organization. And here is that kind of the hole in their in their processes. Um, we don't want to create any kind of security incidents directly or or indirectly uh, for these uh, organizations. So we thought it. Uh, so that's kind of why we didn't name specific weaknesses or tie specific findings back to the individual entities. As far as scores for individual areas, it started to run kind of a fine line between um, 
especially given that we only tested a limited number of controls at these areas, you start to walk a fine line between kind of outing specific weaknesses for entities that performed extremely poorly. So if you've got an entity that, you know, scores a 0%, for example, in an area, then that is the, almost the same as pointing out all the individual findings for for an agency in that area. Um, and so we, we decided because, uh, because we weren't going to do it and, and also as a result of some of, some of these, uh, overall score area scores, it just made sense to kind of, uh, keep that information, um, confidential. In this audit, LPA audited 15 state entities on three IT controls, one being security awareness training, the second one being account security, and the third one being incident response. Take some time to discuss how you selected these 15 entities and what the audit team's process was for evaluating them in those selected control areas. So again, a little bit of uh, background before I can actually answer the question. So every three years, our office conducts uh, a statewide risk assessment based on uh, information that we gather from all state agencies. They submit, uh, we ask them to fill out a brief uh, survey or questionnaire uh, about their information systems um, that hold confidential data. And then... Um, we gather other information about those systems, like what kinds of data are in it, how much, how old the systems are, um, whether they connect to the internet, things like that. And so we take that information and combine it with some other knowledge that we have, like maybe how recently they've received an, uh, an LPA audit, uh, and then uh, select from there. So that's how we wound up with um, the 15 entities, uh, or 12 of the 15 entities um, in our list. Regarding the three school districts, um, we just straight up asked asked larger districts uh, in the state a couple years ago um, whether they would be interested in getting an IT security audit from us, um, basically for free, and, and relied heavily on that response in selecting districts. So in terms of evaluating the control areas, uh, we picked low-hanging fruit, so areas and criteria that we thought we could evaluate easily and that wouldn't take a large amount of uh, time for us or the entities to kind of go through and, and do. Uh, but most of the evaluations were really straightforward, just comparing the, the, what the entities did to the plain text of, of the ITEC standards. For example, uh, one criteria looked uh, was that agencies must train their users in security awareness training every year. And so then we took a list of some of the uh, entity staff and said, okay, for 2022, did you train, <laughs> did you train these people in security awareness training? Show us, show us the proof that you did. And if they had it, great. We marked it as trained. And if they didn't have it, Marked is not trained, so um, it was it was really pretty straightforward. There weren't a whole a whole lot of uh, highly sophisticated technical 
uh, tests that were performed for this audit. So just to, to recap, to kind of set the, the stage, of the 15 state entities, 12 were state agencies and three were school districts. That's correct. Now let's move to some of the findings of the audit. Uh, one of the main findings of the audit was that nine of the 15 entities you reviewed did not comply with IT standards and best practices in at least two of three subject control areas. What did the audit team find that can explain the reasons why 60% of the entities are not complying? So to set the stage, we set the bar uh, for substantive compliance uh, with these standards at 50%. So if it looked like an entity was doing uh, more than half of the things right in an area, uh, we would consider them as having su substantively complied with required controls for that area. As you said, we had several entities that did not meet that bar. Uh, there were a handful of reasons why entities weren't meeting it. Um, we heard uh, things such as not having enough money or staff to put the right controls in place. Uh, but we thought that the biggest reason was an inadequate tone at the top, meaning top management of these organizations had not placed enough of a priority on IT security um, or had provided inadequate oversight of the IT function. Ultimately, IT security is management's responsibility, and they're the ones that have the duty to protect the entity's data and limit exposure and loss. Now let's turn our attention to each of the uh, three IT controls, first being the security awareness training controls. So the audit team found that eight of the 15 entities did not comply with security awareness training controls. Give our listeners a little bit of background on what these controls are and why they're important for state entities to have in providing IT security. So as I mentioned earlier, training users in, uh, in security awareness is basically one of those those core things that, that organizations need to do because uh, people, your users, your employees are the weakest link in any kind of security posture. So the controls we looked at in the security awareness training area were really just, are you training your your, your users in and security awareness, basic security awareness principles, um, teaching them about passwords, teaching them about um, ways to avoid identity theft, teaching them about social engineering, things like that. Um, are you training your new users, your new staff, uh, folks that you're bringing on? Is there a security awareness training component to your onboarding process? Um, these are all kind of important things because really um, people are the weakest link in a, any organization's uh, security posture. Uh, an organization can spend lots of money and have all sorts of technical bells and whistles and controls in place, but it really just takes one uh, small action by a single individual um, to bypass these controls. Things as easy as clicking on the wrong link in an email um, could just open, open the door up to all sorts of trouble. The audit team also found that 10 of the 15 entities did not comply with selected account security controls. Talk a little bit about what those controls are and why they're important for state entities to have. 
So the account security controls that we looked at uh, were, were really kind of two uh, groups. The first one being passwords and password-related controls. So things like, is your password long enough? Does it have enough variation, numbers, uppercase, lowercase, things like that? And then um, when you enter your password wrong, how many times can you try before it'll lock you out? Um, so that was that would be one set of password the password controls piece of things. The other piece of things under account security that we looked at uh, had to do with an uh, an organization's offboarding process and whether user accounts were being turned off or access to those accounts was being turned off um, when those when those folks left or stopped working for. Uh, the organization. So, um, you know, I think we found issues with just about every one of the controls that we looked at overall. But um, these are these are really important because they're they're basic kind of door lock type of controls where you know you you ask for an employee's keys to the building back uh, when they leave. Uh, a user account should be no different. Uh, it's just kind of a virtual uh, key into an IT network. So uh, that was one of the things that we looked at as well. And um, like I said, these are kind of basic controls that we looked at here uh, for this area. And the third control you looked at, select an incident response controls. You found that eight of the 15 entities uh, did not comply uh, in that area as well. Uh, so just talk a little bit about what those controls are and why they're important uh, for state entities to have in providing IT security. So incident response, you can think of um, is similar to some other written plans, but an incident response um, plan and related controls are going to involve what you do, an organization, what it does um, when faced with kind of um, an emergency, and this would largely, uh, incident response is largely going to be, um, we're not talking about like tornadoes or, or fires or things like that. That's going to be a different plan, but we are talking about things that might be a little bit more technologically, technological in nature. Um, things like, um, virus infection or, um, data loss, things like that. Um, when those things happen, usually the stress level is very high and you're not going to be thinking, you may not be thinking clearly, whatever the whatever your plan of attack is, um, you'll want to have that in place. You want to have it um, clearly spelled out on paper. You want to make sure that it's, it's tested um, so that if, uh, tested in a secure environment so that if you have an incident that you're not just kind of winging it. The last thing you want to do is try to figure out how you're going to handle it on the fly. Uh, and then one of, one of the uh, final pieces in, in incident response has to do with kind of a, uh, a post 
a post-incident look back where uh, I think it's it's often called kind of a lessons learned type of process where you, the the response team, uh, whoever that might consist of, sits down with um, each other and goes over what things went right um, in the process of of handling this incident, what things can we improve, um, what things totally did not did not work and needed to get um, just chucked to the curb. So incident response, like I like I mentioned, is really just kind of having that plan set in place ahead of time so that um, when the heat is on, you're not uh, running around trying to figure out what to do. And finally, what is the main takeaway of this audit report? So these aren't new issues overall. Um, you think back to when we uh, discussed a report last December about um, all the entities that we've audited in the past. We we continue to see issues in terms of agencies not meeting standards, not complying with ITEC standards. Uh, it's important to kind of remember that that these standards have been around a long time. Um, you know, they're well more than 10, 15 years old. Uh, and in their most recent version, uh, and the version that we audited has been around since 2019. So that's kind of agencies or, or organizations have had quite a period of time to, to, address the concerns um, or put it put in place controls that would um, that would satisfy these um, another thing to, to think about or to take away from this is that um, these are these are really kind of baseline controls um, to fix these are controls that you know leadership executive man management within all the branches, um, have really come together and agreed that these are very important, important enough to kind of require all state agencies to do. And so, um, so I mentioned, I mentioned these aren't new issues. I mentioned that, that ITEC, uh, in its current form has been around for a number of years. Um, uh, we mentioned earlier, um, the kind of the underlying root cause behind, um, the non-compliance seems to be uh, issues, tone at the top issues with, with inadequate top management oversight of um, the IT security function. Um, and the last thing to keep in mind that is that at least as far as the controls that we looked at for this specific audit, uh, implementing controls uh, to satisfy this does not really require a lot of money. It may require a little bit of, of investment of time, um, but in terms of satisfying these, um, they are broad enough and vague enough and, and give agencies enough flexibility to kind of um, address these or, or comply in a number of different ways. So security awareness training, for example, you know, you might think, oh, I need $100,000 to go out and buy this fancy online uh, security training platform licenses and all of this kind of stuff. But the standard doesn't require that. It just requires that you train your people. So it could be as simple as 
kind of putting together a PowerPoint that discusses uh, the different training topics that are required. I guess the last thing to mention is that um, at least at present, um, school districts do not have a uh, standard, uh, do not have to follow ITech standards. Um, but these are kind of still, even if they weren't, aren't required to follow them, these are still um, really good baseline best practices, um, good things for folks to do um, to kind of deter or reduce the likelihood of bad things happening. And so um, that's something that um, those districts need to look into as well. Alex Gard is a principal IT auditor at Legislative Post Audit. He supervised an audit that reviewed specific IT security controls across state agencies and school districts. Thanks for joining me today, Alex. Sure. Thank you for listening to The Rundown. To receive newly released podcasts, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For more information about Legislative Post Audit and to read our audit reports, visit kslpa.org. Follow us on Twitter at KS Audit or visit our Facebook page. Thank you.